If you're affected by anything discussed on this podcast or you just want to talk, please reach out to someone for help and support. You can also reach out to Man Blues via email at manblues at gmx.com, at manbluesuk on Twitter, or find us on Mastodon by searching for at manblues. We're not qualified to help, but we can listen. Please don't suffer in silence. I'm Leon Deggs, and I have Man Blues. This week's episode is all about getting old. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Getting old, getting old. Okay, so the reason behind this is um, I've just had a birthday, and I know there are people out there for whom that means absolutely nothing, but it was a round number, a big one. Now, normally with these podcast episodes, I follow a pro forma, sort of like a little set of guidelines, some little bullet points to help me get through the episode so that I can maintain a a sort of structure. Usually I start with, what do I mean? I think it's pretty obvious what I mean, but maybe it's not obvious as to why this affects man blues, or in particular, my man blues. So normally I say, what do I mean? And I say, it's in this case, it's pretty obvious that, you know, it's, it's about getting old. It's about getting older. But in actual fact, no, it's not obvious. Because as with most things, I've said before, a lot of the times when I've been researching subjects for these episodes in this podcast, I've come across phrases and I've come across scientific things that I had absolutely no idea existed. Now, you've definitely heard of FOMO, I assume, which is fear of missing out. Well, I've today learned about something, and I'm passing that learning on to you, about something called FOGO, fear of getting old. This subject came about as a result of somebody in my team at work asking a very interesting question. She said, as I was approaching this round number, am I worried about any particular thing about the upcoming decade in my life? And I said, well, no, because those decades when I was worried were earlier in my life. So we started to discuss them. We started with, you know, when you're approaching your 20s. And I found that that was probably the scariest one that I've experienced because that's the one where you think oh gosh I've got to get my life sorted I've got to get all my plans in place I've got to do this I've got to do that I've got to get all my ducks in a row but I still found the 20s to be the most scary decade I was approaching when I hit my 30s I took stock of where I was we were literally just starting off on that path to contentedness that was never more so obvious to us and apparent to us than when I hit my 30s because we were like, well, got the job, got the kid, got the house, getting settled, but just knuckling down into that routine of getting on with life. But during my 30s, I also felt that life was getting in the way. That was the time when I lost a lot of contact with a lot of friends because they also had their own kids or some of them didn't or whatever. You know, everyone has their own lives that they're leading and it was quite tough to deal with. So then we started talking about the 40s, what happens when you approach those. The consensus opinion was that's when you actually start to feel more content because you actually feel as though you're settled now. The pace of life is changing, but it's still moving, but you're a lot more confident with things because now there's nothing really that can come along that can derail you. But then I started looking towards 50s and thinking, what can I expect in my 50s? Well, the thing is, when you're approaching your 50s, you kind of want to be able to spend the money that you've got now because suddenly you have more disposable income. You 
you are hopefully earning more money because as you stay in the job or you move around in the job you tend to get promotions you tend to get paid more so you're hopefully earning more money so now you get to a point where you think well the kids are growing up they're leaving going to university or going and getting their own jobs and moving in with their own families and you kind of want to reap the benefits of that lifestyle so you might find yourselves now looking to things like holidays abroad and going to places you know these far off far flung bucket list style places now as you can imagine if you're in that decade of age, if you're in your 50s, you're not necessarily going to be wanting to look for a new job. You're not necessarily going to be embracing change in that same way. You might not even be interested because you'll just be thinking, look, I just got 10 more years before I retire. And when I retire, I want to take the full rewards with me. Well, if that's the case, great. It does mean that some of my wife's dream bucket list style holidays might not happen. Just to give you an example of what I mean, she would like to go to the mountains of Petra. Well, that requires a certain level of physical fitness to be able to do that walk. It's not a little hike, it's a yomp. That means that if we're going to go, we need to go before we get too old. So then we started talking about, like I said, this was in the, in the group of people at work, we started talking about what it's like to approach the 60s, or even be in your 60s. And... One of the chaps was telling us that he'd had a conversation with his father and his father had said that he was frightened as he approached his 50s but he felt a lot more calm when he approached his 60s because that was when he was a bit more settled again, trying to enjoy his life, trying to enjoy retirement or even looking forward to retirement. Felt more calm, more relaxed and ready. That was the word that I stalled on as well. Ready. Ready for what? Now, we subsequently debated that maybe he was talking about how he was ready for whatever was going to hit his body health-wise. He was ready for it. He was ready to get the diagnosis from the doctor that something bad was happening. Then I spoke to my mother-in-law about what it felt like approaching the 70s. And she said it was worrying because she wasn't sure how much longer you get. And I thought, yeah, I can tap into that. I can understand that. You start looking around you at a certain age. You start thinking, well, okay, what's going to happen to the people around me? That you know, that person who's not much older than me, they've got this illness. They're not doing very well at the moment. That person died at that particular age. Then we mentioned about what it must feel like when you're approaching your 80s. I remember my wife's great-grandmother saying that she was just kind of, well, you know, you've, you've got this far. You've done very well. Come what may. But of course, if you make it to that age, those illnesses that you can catch are potentially life-threatening. You've not got a lot of time to fight cancer. And also, there is an element of it in my mind where I think if I turn up to the hospital and I'm 82 years old and they've just discovered a tumour somewhere that could be cured by radiation treatment, but they're going to be looking at me and they're going to be looking at that 45-year-old woman who's also got the same brain tumour in the same place who requires the same amount of treatment, they're going to look at me at 82 and they're going to look at her at 45 and think she's going to benefit more. I know, I know they don't do that in our august health institutions in the UK. I know they don't do that, but you would, as an 82-year-old, have that feeling of, do you know what, just make me comfortable. If these are my last few months, these are my last few years, just make them comfortable. And I've said that, that does sound dark, but then mortality is dark. There is nothing pleasant about knowing that your death is coming or thinking that your death is coming and having it play on your mind. There is nothing nice about that. So the thing of it is, is this is all about the inevitable march of time. Terry Pratchett, 
I've read a lot of Terry Pratchett and sometimes he has some really, really brilliant wisdom just ensconced in some of his pages. I just happened to be reading a copy of The Reaper Man as I approached my birthday, my round-numbered birthday. And there was a line in it. So, so the brief synopsis about The Reaper Man is that death, as in, you know, death, the skeleton with the scythe, has been relieved of his post. He's then been given his own little hourglass and he's been sent down to Earth and he finds himself wandering around this farm and he's working as a farmhand helping this old woman out. But in his hourglass, he can see the sand moving and he's never had that before because he was death. He's always been around forever and always will be forever. He is infinity. And there's a line at the end of one of the chapters and the quote is, And all the time the ancient clock over the fireplace had been ticking, ticking, chopping seconds off his life. They'd seen so many of them not long ago. I read that on the evening before my big round birthday. Because the thing is, when we're young, we want to be older. But when we're old, we don't want it to be over. We don't want to. We look back with rose-tinted glasses. And I stand by that statement about rose-tinted glasses because you never remember the bad things about what happened in your past. Things were better back in your day when you were a kid because you were a kid. It was always going to be better. It never rained in those summers when you were off school. But I'll guarantee you it did. That's why your childhood was good, because you're only processing the good memories from it. You're forgetting all the boring stuff. There were times you were stuck in the house looking out the window, tracing raindrops down the glass as you are waiting for the rain to stop. And also, not to rant about these things, because I don't want to descend into that. But those stupid gifts that people buy you at round birthdays, they're just so trite. I mean things like when you see these mugs and it says 40 and over the hill. Over what hill? Who's determining which hill this is and who's determining that that is now me halfway through my life, that my life expectancy is 80? I've always said, my father died when he was 62. If I can make it to 63, I'm fine. Not that I'm planning to end my life, but as long as I can get older than what my dad achieved, I'll be happy. You see, I know it's normal to be wary of the march of time but how much is a healthy amount to obsess over it and I suppose just by even using the word obsess it's already bad so let's try to put some positive spin on this I found a website it had seven tips I don't know maybe you can apply them to your life and it'll help you with your if you have particular uh, man blues about the aging process and getting old and it may be able to help you I don't know but those seven tips were number one maintain a positive outlook well, what have we been saying on these Man Blues episodes all this time? Always try to remain positive because negativity doesn't really help. Number two, embrace your fears. As you approach your retirement status, you're most likely to slow down. So it's important that you grow old happily. Number three is to create cheerful daily habits. Some good examples are continually take time in your day to express gratitude for the good things in your life. Try to bring humor into your life by enjoying some comedy on the television or radio. Go outdoors into nature, lifts your spirits and reduces stress. It's great for your health. Take a brisk walk. Now, I try to do that three times a week at least. Just basically get out there and create daily cheerful habits. And number four is to treat your problems as an adventure. You can choose to believe that there is a gift, an upside in most problems if you can find it. Treat those difficulties the same way as you'd prepare for an adventure holiday. Gather maps and other information and so on. Look out for any new openings that may arise. Number five is to explore elderhood. Again, another word we're learning here on this episode. 
It says here, our modern society gives us few useful guidelines about growing old positively. We have to figure this out for ourselves. To use the term elderhood invites you to connect to a mature wisdom in yourself and in your ancestors. Number six is to be more conscious of your values. And finally, number seven is to cultivate your people skills. I think that is going to become much more important as time wears on. Because I look at my son and he's of that generation where social skills, he has good people skills, but not all the people around him have good people skills. They're that generation where they spent most of their time in their bedrooms doing all kinds of things on the internet, playing games and so on. So they weren't necessarily hanging out with other people. I also found another website that had three happy truths about getting older. Number one is older people tend to be happier people. That's intriguing, but I guess it's because you kind of accept that you are where you are and you can't change anything. With a certain maturity comes a certain amount of clarity, I guess. Number two, older people tend to be healthier people. Physically, of course, all the parts are aging and no matter how many blueberries you eat, your body is still going to get older. But you can have a healthier lifestyle to alleviate some of the physical challenges. And number three is that older people are mentally healthier. Now, I don't know whether that is true or will continue to be true. Still an interesting position, I think. So I'm Leon Deggs. I mean, obviously, happy birthday to me and thank you so much for wishing me that. But I'm Leon Deggs and I've been around for a while now and I'm hoping to be around for a lot longer too. Thank you for listening.